From Gimlet, I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow, and you're listening to Startup, the podcast about what it's really like to start a business. And this is the second episode of our second season. And we have already arrived at our first explicit language warning. There's explicit language in this episode. You've been warned. And as you learned in episode one, we're following a company that's trying to bring love to the world, a company called Dating Ring. I mean, I feel like I'm a little undateable. You're not undateable. Oh, I promise you you're not. That's Emma Tesler, one of the founders of Dating Ring and the company's chief matchmaker. And Emma and her co-founders, Lauren Kay and Katie Bambino, had decided at the end of the last episode to form a company and go big with their idea, pairing technology and matchmaking. And what that meant is convincing people to give them money, powerful people who can have strong opinions about what they're trying to do, which are not always pleasant to hear. For example, the Dating Ring team was pitching their idea at a big event in New York City. The room was packed with entrepreneurs and VCs. On stage, there was a panel of four pretty big-deal investors in New York. It was one of the first times they'd made their pitch. And Lauren Kay, Dating Ring's CEO, said after they'd finished, one of the panelists stood up. And he takes the mic, and he said something like, I have so much to say, but, like, I'll spare you and just say that I wish I could take a shit on your company. It shouldn't exist. And we were all shell-shocked. The worst part, as if this is, like, some stupid movie, is you had a vote on your favorite panelists, and everyone voted for this guy who said he wanted to shit on us. Just to, like, further validate that everyone in the room was supporting what he said. Lauren felt embarrassed. She wanted to run out of the room. And she had another feeling. She'd been the one who convinced her two co-founders to pursue this crazy idea with her. And I felt, like, horrifically guilty. It's fine that I'm in this position, but I made Katie quit her job and Emma is doing this too, and, like, I'm putting them in this position, and this whole thing is dumb. This whole thing is dumb. I've had that thought so many times. But just to show you how this process can give you emotional whiplash, just a month after this crushing moment on stage, the team from Dating Ring found out that they were accepted into the most prestigious program for startups in the country, Y Combinator where Dropbox, Reddit, and Airbnb got their start. Y Combinator didn't think their idea was dumb. In fact, Y Combinator, or YC as it's called, was investing a hundred grand in Dating Ring. Here's Kevin Hale, a partner at YC. If you heard of a service that if you go to it, you're gonna find like your soulmate from it, and the engine that powers it is a bunch of people who like actually looks at you and your personality and the things you say to them, who wouldn't want to pay money into a soulmate generator? YC is like the ultimate validation that you're onto something. There were millions of startups that were at our stage, and then YC like picks you out of the crowd. It just was like now my life in the startup world is beginning. Today on the show, we follow Dating Ring to Y Combinator, this very exclusive startup school where Dropbox, Reddit, Airbnb, and Dating Ring got their start. 
In January 2014, the Dating Ring team showed up at YC, one of 76 companies that had made the cut from the initial applicant pool of more than 2,000. There was an online cosmetics company, a secondary marketplace for used furniture, a startup trying to extend a laptop's battery life, another helping people get money from airlines because of delayed and canceled flights. And these companies were all going to spend the next three months living and working near Mountain View, California, the heart of Silicon Valley. I guess that felt sort of like going back to college freshman year, but if there are almost no women. The other way YC wasn't quite like college, at least my college, people at YC worked all the time. YC is part of that category of all-consuming immersive experiences. Medical residencies, political campaigns, boot camp. But if the iconic activity of boot camp is the obstacle course, the iconic activity of YC is sitting and staring intently at your laptop for many hours a day. That's on the outside anyway. On the inside, you're freaking out. Because when you get to YC, you're told two somewhat contradictory things about your future. On the one hand, you're told that 90% of YC companies fail. But on the other hand, you're also told you could be the next billion-dollar company. In fact, every Tuesday night, there was a big dinner for all the YC companies where the heads of billion-dollar companies would come and speak. CEOs of giant tech success stories like Pinterest and Airbnb Here's Emma, a Dating Ring co-founder. You feel a little starstruck hearing these people speak. And then... And that maybe you're part of this right, exclusive club. Exactly. Right? Because, right. like, oh, if the founder of Pinterest is, like, giving you advice, like, that means you're a little bit special. Um, and so the Tuesday night dinners, listening to people talk, felt special, but also felt inspiring. You're like, oh, it could become this, you know, because everyone has struggled. Like all of the founders of the huge companies are like, here are the 10 years that I was poor and making shitty products, you know, and that feels good. You're like, okay, like I could still be like them. Now, most companies don't grow into billion dollar businesses and most new companies don't face a 90% failure rate. It's high, but not that high. YC is different. Because when you enter YC, you're agreeing to become a very particular kind of company. A company that grows fast. Insanely fast. The conventional wisdom at YC is, you should be growing 10% a week. And just to put that type of growth into perspective, if you started the year with $1,000 and you grew that $1,000 10% a week, by the end of the year, you'd have $142,000. So YC, it's a sprint. Grow as fast as you can in three months. And the finish line is called Demo Day, the last day of YC, the day YC companies pitch hundreds of the most powerful investors in Silicon Valley. That was the sole focus because, you know, you're preparing for Demo Day. I mean, I'd like never been so nervous about a day in my life. Lauren told our producer Lisa Pollack, or as we like to call her, other Lisa, that the pressure of achieving that growth makes you feel behind from the moment you arrive at YC. Every day that went by that you didn't get enough done, you felt like a day wasted. It felt like you had three months to live. (laughs) And you were just trying to find the cure. Yeah, and even though it was a hard period of time, like you didn't want it to be over, you just wanted to have more time. Now, at YC, they tell you you're supposed to grow fast. But what exactly you're growing, that's up to you. You choose the metric. Users, revenue, page views, whatever. And Dating Ring chose dates. They wanted to grow the number of dates they were sending people on. But to get more people out on dates, they needed more people. And Lauren had a plan for how to get them. 
Facebook. They had advertised on Facebook once before YC, and customers literally walked in the door saying they'd been drawn in by the ads. Now, thanks to the YC investment of 100 grand, Lauren was ready to take out a lot more ads until Facebook changed the rules. Apparently, a lot of companies claiming to be dating sites were actually fronts for escort services. So Facebook banned small dating sites from advertising, and that ban included, of course, Dating Ring. And this was a huge blow. But the good thing about being at YC was being able to reach out to the partners of YC, who also happened to be some of the most successful startup founders in the world. One partner suggested we look at advertising on porn sites, something that not many companies were doing. And what's nice about porn is that a lot of companies ethically won't do it. So that's why it's cheaper. And not just cheaper, effective too. At least for a food delivery startup called Eat24 that had achieved some notoriety around this time. Eat24 had posted a manifesto about their huge success advertising on porn sites. They'd use banner ads like, want BLT with your BDSM? So Lauren got to work writing and designing porn-themed ads of her own for Dating Ring. And I have one in front of me, Lisa. We've been looking at it. Yes. (laughs) And it's hard to get across just how out of place this advertisement would look on a porn site. It's this basically snapshot-type photo of a bunch of 20-somethings pretty conservatively dressed out at a bar somewhere having good, clean fun. Not sexy at all. No. And underneath this photo is the caption, just tell your mom you found out about us through Google. Yeah, Google. Because what everybody wants to be reminded of when they're at a porn site is their mom. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing came of it because people don't want to, like, sign up for, like, some confusing dating site to meet a matchmaker when they're jerking off. They want to jerk off or they want food. E24 was spot on with cheeseburgers. (laughs) For the first time in the company's history, Lauren, the woman known for turning problems into businesses that would solve them, suddenly had problems she didn't know how to solve. And this was incredibly hard for her. Because I just thought, oh, here's 15 things that we're going to try during YC. And if 10 don't work, whatever, the last five will. But last five didn't. One thing Lauren was up against was the nature of the business itself. You're not asking people to order a cheeseburger online or buy a high-tech watch. You're essentially asking them to say, yes, I need help finding a date. Here's Lauren. There's a very small window that anyone experiences where they enjoy being single or they enjoy signing up for dating sites. Even before Lauren started Dating Ring, she spent hours trying to convince her friends to join dating sites. And it would take weeks and weeks and drinks and drinks. And I think people do that with Dating Ring, too. Like, they they hit a certain point, like, after a bad Friday night, and they're sitting with their friends, like, taking shots and being like, all right, I'll make my profile. Lauren had tried everything to bring in new users, advertising on Twitter, Google, putting the Dating Ring logo on napkins and spreading them around bars. But nothing seemed to work. And it wasn't just Lauren who was feeling lost. Katie, the team's tech person, was also struggling to complete the Dating Ring app. And Emma, the matchmaker, told Lisa Pollock, other Lisa, that she was feeling like it was all increasingly riding on her. We can't figure out user acquisition and the product isn't going to be done by the end of YC. Everything we present is going to be based on how many dates we get out. And I just sat there and I was like, this is not going to work because I, by, the, by the end of YC, we will run out of users. We don't have enough. They've, they've basically met all their matches in our network already. And um, now I'm going to have to put them with people that I know they're not compatible yes, with. And yeah. you did have to do that. 
Yeah. If you're a matchmaking site and you're matching people who aren't good matches, your customers notice. Dating Ring was getting feedback like this, quote, really awkward teeth-pulling conversation. Here's another one, quote, it felt like I was sitting at the wrong table. So they're not doing the one thing they're supposed to be doing at YC, growing fast. And they're creating a worse experience for their customers. With Demo Day approaching, it all started to put a strain on the team. Here's Emma. And so that was sort of this, like, clash point where, you know, where where we should have felt like a team, like, oh, this is all of our problem. But somehow it ended up feeling like, oh, this is Lauren's problem since it was her task, you know, to, to do user acquisition. She's not doing what she needs to do. Therefore, I can't do what I need to do. And I'm running out of people. Like, I can't keep matching incompatible people. Coming up, a fight in the startup schoolyard. That's after these words from our sponsor. Welcome back to Startup, the podcast about what it's really like to start a business. I'm Lisa Chow. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. And this season, we're following a company called Dating Ring. And in the first half, we left off with our founders at Y Combinator Startup School, where they had one mission, to grow their company as quickly as possible, a mission they were failing at. And if you've ever worked under a lot of pressure in a small space with people you're close to day in, day out. Alex, this is sounding a little bit too familiar. Oh, I, oh, I wasn't talking about us. Anyway, <laughs> if you've ever been in a situation like that, not that I have, you know what can happen. Resentments, grievances, they build up until something has to give. Here's Lauren. There was one night in our house where um, Katie and Emma sat me down to talk about why they were unhappy with me. The gist of the complaint was that they didn't think Lauren was working hard enough on the core issue, getting new users, and was spending too much time socializing, putting herself before the needs of the company, Emma was nervous about Lauren's reaction to their complaint, but felt like it was something they needed to discuss. My feeling was, okay, we're co-founders. We shouldn't let feelings of resentment or feelings like someone's not pulling their weight bubble up. We should talk about those things. Maybe we're wrong and we just don't have a good sense of what she's doing. And, and it's a communication issue and not an actual work issue. You know, like there could be lots of, of, of things going on. You know, mm-hmm. no part of me thought it would go the way it went. And the way it went was that talking quickly escalated into shouting. And I should say up front that this confrontation was not something the Dating Ring founders were eager to discuss with us. I get the sense that they wish it had all happened differently. Lauren was so hurt, she ran to her room, crying and shutting the door, trying to end the conversation. And Katie and I sat there for probably like four minutes without saying anything downstairs because like the stun was, was so great. And we waited and we waited and we waited for probably 30 minutes and she didn't come down. Eventually, Emma went upstairs to try and persuade Lauren to come out. And, and I went downstairs and I was like, well, she's not coming out. And Katie was like, uh, no. Wait, what, you just let her stay up there? What's wrong with you? So then Katie and I both go back up. And then Katie stomped her feet and the whole house shook and she screamed. She's like, what the fuck do you think this bullshit is? 
Lauren couldn't believe that anyone would question her commitment to the company. And she felt that by socializing, she was building important relationships with other startup founders, one of the big advantages to being at YC. But she wasn't able to explain her feelings at that moment. I was um, worried that it would just become like a screaming shit show um, that wouldn't be productive. And I wanted some time to really take in what they'd said and think about how to reasonably get to a place where they didn't feel that way. But it was definitely, I think, the biggest fight we had and a fight that seemed probably too big to come back from. But at the time, they did what happens a lot after a big blowout. They went to bed, got up the next morning, and acted like it had never happened. And I've had fights like this myself. You wake up, and nothing's resolved. The baby's still crying. You're still behind on your project at work. All the problems you had before, they're all still there. And the problem that Dating Ring still had is they weren't growing nearly as quickly as they needed to to prove to YC and even themselves that there was any chance they could be the next big thing. And now, Demo Day, the day they'd have the attention of hundreds of Silicon Valley investors, that was about a month away. The pressure was building to show something, anything. And then one day, Lauren was talking to Michael Siebel, a partner at YC, and she was telling him about their challenges getting new customers. Michael just kept asking us, like, How do we actually know this is a product that people want? Now, at this point, the product Dating Ring was offering was group dates. And this had been a very deliberate choice. Lauren and Emma believed that getting to know people in groups was a lot more casual than on -on one-on-one dates, made the idea of being set up a lot more fun. But Michael Siebel was saying, are you sure you're right about that? Maybe your customers don't actually like group dates. I mean, I really didn't think he was right at the time. Um... And because I was in that, like, stubborn mindset, I was just like, of course people like group dates. Like, people love us. They just don't know about us. And he was like, no, no, no. People loved you. You would have more than, like, 500 people loving you. Lauren told the other Lisa that at that point, she decided to take a poll of Dating Ring's customers. So the poll said, do you prefer one-on-one dates or group dates or both? Um, And then the results started coming in, and initially it was all one-on-one dates. And I was like, whoa, really? Like, I I would have assumed, even if that was true among the entire population, that at least people coming to us were the ones who were like, yes, finally, a group dating company for these group dates I never get to go on, but I like so much. It was literally only one person, my friend Matt Hamilton, who said he preferred group dates. And he met his girlfriend, Eva, through a group date with us. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Only one of your customers in the group dating company actually preferred group dates to one-on-one dates? Yeah. Were you shocked? Yeah. I, I had no idea. And so Dating Ring did what a lot of startups do. They pivoted and started matching people one-on-one. Here's Emma. So we ended up starting one-on-one dates like the last week of YC and it just, our revenue shot through the roof. Everyone was like, we want to do one-on-one dates. And we were like, oh my God, we can make so many more dates this way. 
The days leading up to Demo Day, YC was buzzing with founders practicing pitches and advisors giving feedback. Again, here's Emma. The week before Demo Day was great. Definitely stressful, but the really good kind, you know, adrenaline-pumping stress. Um, And I remember thinking, oh, wow, YC just got really fun. Founders were all 24-7, like, in this, like, sort of warehousey y Combinator building and just pitching like crazy and, and getting feedback. Each team picked one founder to pitch. Dating Ring picked Lauren. We were practicing a lot in the, the ladies' room because most people weren't using it, so we basically had that like as a private space. And then occasionally they'd practice their pitch in the big warehouse space with one of their advisors, in Dating Ring's case, YC's founder, Paul Graham. Wait, you better say that, like, you know, X percentage of our members go on a second date. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you know what that number is? Um, it's like 75%. That's better. That's better. Okay. 75% of our members go on a second date. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, we practiced it so much that every joke had to be timed perfectly and having people laugh in the right places but not laugh too hard so that they miss the next words and feeling like she seemed confident and, you know, not stumbling over anything. Online dating is a $2 billion industry, but there's a $24 billion addressable market size. The reason for that gap is... No, no, two billion, say it's $2 billion now, it could be a lot bigger. Okay, if you cool. say like $24 billion, yeah. it's just going to like float right out of their brains. The partners were giving really good feedback on the pitch. I felt like it improved a lot. And, like, preparing our pitch seemingly, like, was fixing our company's mission that had been so uh, clouded during Y Combinator. Finally, the big day arrived. The 76 companies from Dating Rings class met at the appropriate venue for a bunch of tech startups, the Computer History Museum in Mountain View. They're all Silicon Valley casual, wearing T-shirts with company logos. And one of the last times that Dating Ring had pitched their company publicly on stage, they'd been threatened with scatological assault. This event was a way bigger deal. This is the one time when, for two and a half minutes, you're going to have some of the richest, most powerful people in the world thinking as you speak, should I give them a lot of money? By the time Lauren's turn came around, investors had been listening for about two hours' worth of pitches. She got on stage. Imagine if, whenever you wanted a taxi, you had to browse through profiles, wait for a mutual match, chat with the taxi, and then finally have the taxi arrive, only to look nothing like its photo. And Lauren killed it. For Emma, the demo day pitch was like a reset back to those giddy early days of the company when anything seemed possible. 70% go on a second date, and our revenue has grown 60% each month. I was like, oh, this company sounds amazing. And we are profitable. Online dating. I wasn't seeing the big picture. I was seeing, like, have to get one more date out, have to get one more date out. And, like, hearing the pitch was like, looking up from all my work and, like, seeing this, like, beautiful thing that we'd built. There is going to be a billion-dollar company that provides on-demand dates, and Dating Ring is going to be that company. Beauty, of course, is in the eye of the beholder. And the only beholders that truly mattered at this point in Dating Ring's journey were investors. 
And on one hand, coming out of YC, the influential tech site TechCrunch had named Dating Ring one of the top eight startups in their YC class. But Lauren also knew that the beautiful thing they had built, in Emma's words, had serious structural weaknesses. She was pitching a tech company that hadn't launched or finished building a tech product, a company that still hadn't figured out a sustainable way of drawing new customers. In other words, Lauren knew that the YC story that gets told a lot, the story of Airbnb or Dropbox or Reddit, is extremely rare. There are lots of other stories that never get told about companies like Voxley or Carwoo or Simmery or Yumdots or Frogmetrics or Jobpick or Jamglue or iJig or PopCuts or any of the dozens and dozens of other companies that have graduated from YC just like Dating Ring and that no one has ever heard of because they've all failed, died, ceased to exist. Coming up, scenes from the next episode of Startup, when Dating Ring leaves the supportive cocoon of YC to enter the cold world of fundraising. Plus, as always, a special Gimlet moment at the end of the credits. We have a really exciting announcement, so stick around. That's after this word from our sponsors. Coming up on Startup Season 2, Dating Ring goes on the hunt for investors and learns that getting the pitch right is just one thing you have to worry about. They were like, no way are you taking that money. You're so far above that. You don't need to take money from this asshole. Say no. That's coming up later in Season 2. This episode was reported, edited, and produced by Lisa Pollock and Caitlin Roberts. We also got editing help from Caitlin Kenny and Fia Benin. Special thanks this week to Randy Strauss, the author of The Launchpad, Inside Y Combinator. The startup website was designed in partnership with Athletics. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. The Reverend John Delore mixed the episode. Season two of Startup features brand new original music written and performed by John Delore, along with his bandmates Jordan Scanella, Sam Merrick, Isama McGregor, their band, hotmoms.gov. Don't go to that website. It won't take you to their band. That's just their band name. I have no idea where that website goes. <laughs> to subscribe to the podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe to Startup or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup or you can follow me at Abex Lumberg or you, Lisa, at Lisa E. Chow. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow. Starly Kine. Alex Where are you right now? LAX Airport in Los Angeles. And I'm standing on the Meridian, like where you get out a baggage claim and then we wait for the rental car shuttle. You just landed? Um, I did. And uh, what, what are you doing out there? I'm, I'm doing a stakeout. <laughs> <You're about laughs> to, let's back up. You work at Gimlet. Yeah. And you've been putting together a new, a new show. It's been a secret. It's been a secret. And this phone call right now, we're gonna re- we're, we're actually going to reveal the secret. Yeah. And the new show involves stakeouts. You're, you're doing the stakeout for your new show. Yeah. I mean, do you think I do stakeouts for other reasons? <laughs> I don't know. You are a woman Who of mystery. Who do you think I am? <laughs> That's true. It's like on the clock stakeout. This isn't a recreational stakeout. Uh-uh. And what's the name of your show? Mystery Show. Mystery Show. 
And the idea is that you solve people's everyday mysteries, mysteries that they can't solve on the internet and that they can't solve by themselves. You help them solve them. Yes. You know, you and I have worked together at, at This American Life We've uh, you know, yeah. for a long time. You don't, you don't have a background in solving mysteries, right? No, no, no. I have a background in being interested in mysteries and not solving them. I have no qualifications for this. Yeah. But I, but but I am going to solve this mystery. And I don't want to give too much away, but you have solved a lot of mysteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my track record is amazing. I'm, I'm very good at this. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, I think, I, think my, I think my rental car shuttle has arrived. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well, I'll let you go. It's not. It's. It's not polite to talk on their phone on a rental car shuttle. It's true. <laughs> I wasn't raised very well, but I was taught that. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'll see you when you get back. All right. Bye. Bye. That conversation happened literally minutes ago. Starley is right now at this very second in Los Angeles solving a mystery that will be in this upcoming season of Mystery Show. Mystery Show. Gimlet's third podcast. It launches May 22nd. Very excited. And we have a promo that you should definitely check out. You do that by going to the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing to Mystery Show. 